you know, going into this Saturday, I don't think they're going to be able to pull it off. I mean, it, it shocked me. That's Well, here we go. It's last play of the game here. If they don't do it now, nothing's going to happen. Back in the pocket. Looks, looks, fires. Oh, my God, he caught it. He caught it. 10, 5, touchdown. This is Saturdays in the States. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Saturdays in the States. I'm your host, Andrew Parker, and we have a lot to unpack a lot. And some of it is this past uh, Saturday, but a lot of it is going forward to next Saturday because that that's a 12-round pay-per-view match, and there's three of them going on. I, there's a lot of implications next week. But, but you know, there has to be a week that comes before the that one great week, and there has to be one that follows it. Now, depending on which one's the lesser of the two, we don't know. Um, as of right now, the week before next week is kind of the lesser, but who knows, the week after it could even be less. I don't know, but I just want to get into it. So the first thing I want to go about is SMU's loss to Memphis. That pretty much stated that the golden ticket for the New Year's Six is wide open. It stated that it is wide open. Now, if SMU were to win that game, they would have pretty much like taken a lot of the pie and made it a lot harder for those other schools to, to get it, but this is what we're looking at in terms of who can qualify for the golden ticket, okay? You got Cincinnati, which is ranked 17th at 7-1. and one. You have Memphis at uh, 19th, who are 8-1. You have Boise State, who are 7-1. and one. Wake Forest, that's 7-1. and one. SMU, uh, that draw, uh, 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 let me uh, backtrack. Boise State's 21st. Wake Forest is 22nd. 23rd, SMU fell back at 8-1. and one. They're 23rd. Then you have San Diego State at 24th. And then you have Navy at 25th. I don't know how much more uh, clear I can make this, folks. This is wide open. This is could go to it's going to go down to the end of the wire it's going to go down to that last game whatever team can perform most consistently going here uh out the rest of the season will get the golden ticket to the new year's six bowl they may award it to two or possibly th- well not three well maybe three i don't know how how they decide that it's kind of weird to me but they could give it to two of those teams i don't know i'm just saying as of right now there's easily a lot of potential for all of those teams to make it and there's no clear definitive undefeated team in that in that power in that group there's none so we're going to have to really follow it going forward and see what out of those teams can really make a case uh, and step up you know are they going to have to win a conference or are they going to have to win by x amount of po- i mean who knows but if if it stays as it is right now where all those teams just have one loss the committee's going to have a really tough time deciding what team they will pick to be in a New Year's Six Bowl, whether it be the Cotton Bowl or the Orange Bowl, whatever at-large bowl it is. Uh, again, it's so hard to say. I don't know how they decide that. Uh, but it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And and here's the deal with SMU's, SMU proved a lot about when it comes to being a good football team. You have to win on the road. And that just doesn't go for football. It goes for baseball, basketball, any sport that requires you to be on the road. If you want to be good, if you want to be a championship caliber team, you have to win key victories on the road. And we're going to talk about that here next weekend because next weekend, those the teams that are on the road, those I think the teams that are on the road are tasked with an even bigger challenge than the teams at home. Because if they can win on the road, they're, they improve they're that much more legitimate. They prove that they're that much better uh, at, at contending, uh, at being contenders. And in general, that's just how it works in, in the game of sports is if you can consistently win on the road, you are any place, anytime. 
That's the rule. Any place, any time. If you can win on the road, it's hard to be beat. Just plain and simple. With that being said, I can't say the same about Nebraska. We've been following Nebraska. For those of you who are not aware, um, here on Saturdays in the States, we pick one team to follow for the entire season. And this year's team... Uh, has been the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And I'm going to say, I've really enjoyed it. We, um, uh, I, I've learned a lot about the, the culture of the program, where the fan base is at, um, where the, the team is at in, in terms of progressing this season. Um, I will say this. What happened this past Saturday against Purdue is a product of not enough talent. He simply does not have enough talent. And I, I know that Martinez, uh, uh, the quarterback for Nebraska, has to do a lot of the work. I think going forward, he needs to pick someone new. because I, And I saw it this past Saturday, but I've seen it in a lot of other games, where he cannot throw the ball high over the line. There are a ton of passes of his that get batted down, and it, it definitely proved costly on that last drive, and they could have gone down and won it, where I, I know a, a key pass got um, batted down. But by and large, from the quarterback to, to certain skilled players, I would say, the talent isn't there yet. The talent is not there yet for Nebraska, and that is why they are struggling. Um, you know, I still firmly believe that they have two more wins, if not three more, to get them to be bowl eligible, but it's going to be hard, and I thought that Purdue was going to be a, a, a pretty solid win for Nebraska, and I was wrong. I was I was wrong, uh, and that's kind of frustrating. I know a lot of Nebraska fans were very disappointed. That's the one cool thing about that I've learned about this team. They travel so well. People who are not aware of the Nebraska fan bases, they travel really well. I feel really bad for the fans who went down to Colorado because that was a practical sea of red in Colorado, and they lost turnover it's a painful thing uh same thing here at purdue there was a, a significant amount of red at, at at purdue stadium um so that's another cool thing that i've learned about nebraska but it's just hard there's an article that i read and uh, a few other articles that i've seen this headline where it says that um scott frost this year has been a complete failure and i hate when people use that word failure because they don't realize all the work that this coaching staff is putting in to make this team better. People don't realize how, you know, and I, and I harped on this the past uh, um, episode or two or three episodes ago is how at one point last year, they were 0-5 or 1-5. I mean, they were horrible. And the fact that they are two wins away from being bowl eligible is pretty great. Again, I think they're just going down to the pedigree syndrome of we are Nebraska, so we deserve everything, and we don't have to work for it. When the reality is, yeah, you kind of have to work for it. you got to recruit players. you got to do what everybody else does to have a really good college football program. And I know that stinks for those Nebraska diehards who have lived through the great Tom Osborne era in the 90s and, and Tommy Frazier and all that stuff, but you gotta realize that at some point teams rise and teams fall it just happens by and large though i mean it's been really great to see them progress this season um uh i, I will say that the the areas that i can see where he recruited heavily or he started to really work on is the line within the offensive and defensive line um i could tell that when it came to martinez a lot of his runs were due to the offensive line's push and how he really wanted to to build up this team like an NFL team would, where you start up front with with the big key fundamental parts of of competing in the Big Ten is is establishing the offensive and defensive line, and that is where he has obviously seen that he needs uh, to get his talent. I know this year they do have a, a freshman center that uh, I believe was recruited as a tight end. I want to say, um, so that's something interesting to say, but. 
by and large, last uh, this past Saturday was pretty sad for about Nebraska. That that should have been a victory for them, and it wasn't. But uh, you know, I, I promise you two more wins. I promise you at the very least two more wins. That was one of uh, one of the um, predictions that I had going into this season. It did not. Uh, it, it did not pan out to be eight and four, nine and three. But I still predict them to win a bowl game. I still predict that. So. There's that. And speaking of coaches, uh, Willie Taggart got fired at Florida State. He got fired at Florida State. I'm not surprised at all. And I don't get it because there's a lot of uh, college football fan pages that I follow. And there's some Florida State fans for whatever reason. And I don't know. So if you're a Florida State fan and you listen to this podcast, please hit me up at Twitter at APParker01 or hit me up and just ask me, I want to. I don't get how you thought you were going to go nine and three this season. I don't get how you thought you were going to go eight and four this season. Like I don't understand it. There was at one point where, God, I can't remember what week it was, but you had had some just embarrassing losses. I know you lost like Boise State, and then you almost beat like a a paid team to that you paid to beat, and you almost lost to them. And then all these Florida State fans started commenting and saying. You look at our schedule for the rest of the season. We're gonna go nine and three. We're gonna go nine and three, eight and four. I don't see that as a case. I don't see that happening. In fact, I bet you I would be surprised if you go seven and five. I'd be really shocked if you went seven and five. People want to wonder why Willie Taggart got fired. If you look at this, the the way this team has played up to this point, it's very evident that the player he was not coaching them to their potential. I mean, yeah, they had they got a few wins. I think they went to that last game four and four. But again, you need to realize who they got the wins against and how they won them. I mean, it was a joke. It wasn't true wins. It wasn't Florida State wins. Florida State realizes that we're a a well-respected football program that has a rich history of winning, and we can't have this. And so instead of putting out for another year, another season, once they lost to Miami, they cut it off, ripped it off like a Band-Aid. They said, goodbye, see ya, get a job somewhere else, but not here. We don't want you. And that's totally okay. I can't blame Florida State one bit for doing that. Especially a team like Florida State. You know, some other lesser programs, they may have the patience to kind of see what they can do. But Florida State, I respect them for their position of getting rid of Willie. I can, I just can. And some people may say, why, why, why not wait? Why not wait? It's because you can't lose to the rival. That was one of the big things when it came to Jim Harbaugh at Michigan was... Can he beat Ohio State? And so far, he hasn't. He hasn't beaten Ohio State. And this year, he has no excuses. Michigan is on a roll right now. I mean, obviously, they beat a really bad uh, uh, Rutgers team, I believe. Uh, or no, it was Maryland. They beat a really bad Maryland team. Um, but regardless, they're on a roll. They they blew past Notre Dame, which was a top-10 contender. They're getting hot right now. But like Willie Taggart, Jim Harbaugh, he needs to beat Ohio State. People don't realize this. When it comes to college football, you got to beat your rival. You have to beat your rival. That's just a part of the thing. You can go 0-11, but if that one win is against a crosstown rival, your contract is fine. It is A-OK. If you are coaching at Alabama, Auburn, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, Miami, Utah, BYU, USC, Notre Dame, Michigan State, Michigan— I, I Like, I don't care— those coaches, you can lose every single game, but as long as you beat your rival, you are good to go. That's just how it works. That's how sports are. If you're not used to that, rivalry is one of the big characteristics of why we love this game, and if you can't beat the rival, then what is the point of having you around? 
because we don't want to be known as the school that's good but not good enough to beat the little brother or the big brother or the other school or, or this and that. Like we, That's just how it works. And I guarantee you that if he beat Miami, it would have been different. It would have been a lot different. But I guarantee you going into that, they said, hey, things aren't going well. We're going to give you a shot at Miami. But if it doesn't pan out how we want it, it's not looking good for you. I, you know, they, I guarantee you they didn't blindside him with this. I bet you he knew that going in. You have to have an urgency when you're coaching, and I bet you that that was something that kind of he probably used to try and motivate himself to really coach his players up. But obviously, it didn't work. And you can tell that that Miami is is fine. I, I think the the statistic uh, that Miami had was of their losses. They were like a combined seven points or down to one possession. I mean. Miami, I would say, is one of those teams going forward. One of those teams going forward that you have to kind of be prepared for because it may not be next year, but in like next two years or three years, Miami's going to be consistently, I would say, 9-3, and 10-2. and two. I just think that they have the right guy, Manny Diaz, there. Um, but, but just that being said, you know, bringing this back to the main subject, that was why he got fired was because his team played horrible and he didn't beat the rival. That's what it came down to. Speaking of rivals, Georgia beat Florida. And that proved a lot for Georgia. That was big for Georgia. They had that one loss that they shouldn't have lost, but that's why they play the game. Um, but this last win against Florida bumped them up in the polls to sixth in the nation. Uh, let me check that real quick. Uh, yeah, sixth in the nation, just behind Penn State, and I think that that win was key in showing the committee that this team is still a legitimate SEC threat behind Alabama and LSU. I I, I firmly believe that, and if they end up um facing Alabama again, I can see them them really uh bringing it to them. Because I will say that out of all of the teams that are out there that could compete for a national title, the only one that looks complete is Ohio State. LSU is a close second, but not Alabama and not Clemson. Even though that's what everybody thinks is going to happen in the playoff, uh, it's going to be harder for them. Not saying they can't do it, but it's going to be harder. But the fact that Georgia won helps their resume a lot. It gives them momentum. It gives them legitimacy on their resume. I I think that people don't realize the magnitude of that win. And this past Saturday, where there wasn't a, a lot of high-profile games, that was one that I think Alabama fans should have watched and seen okay. What is Georgia going to do here? Because it's a big rivalry game. It's at a neutral site. Those games are can go any which way. Any which way at all. You throw out the records. You throw out everything. When it comes to your rival, you you just hope they don't do something stupid. And, and anything can, you know, and it's, it's all up in the air. It really is. But the way that they played against Florida just proved their legitimacy. That was a big-time win for them. So... We got that. Now, I do want to go into next week. That was one of the big things that I wanted to say um, when it came to this uh, week's episode. Next weekend is going to be big time. It is going to be, I would say, one of the most defining weekends of this college football season. So to start off our day at 11 a.m. Central, we have number 5 Penn State at number 13 Minnesota on ABC. By the way, both teams are undefeated. This is going to prove a lot of things, okay? If I'm 
if I am an Iowa fan and if I am a Big Ten fan, I want Penn State to win this game. And the reason why, if I'm an Iowa fan, that I want Penn State to win this game is because it gives us get gets us one step closer to winning the West. If I am a Big Ten fan. I want Penn State to win because that still keeps us with two top five undefeated teams that can prove uh, that we are worthy of having two teams in the in the college football playoff, two Big Ten teams in the playoff. Okay, now again, that won't happen when Ohio State ends up facing Penn State, but it it prolongs it for another week because at times when those two undefeated teams from the same conference face and one beats the other, the committee still kind of sways that and, and realizes why the one team lost to the other and will still bring that other team in. So. I would say that, yeah, you know, Penn State losing to Ohio State isn't as bad as if Penn State loses to Minnesota. Minnesota fans are great. They're happy. This is what they wanted. They couldn't be any happier. They haven't had a game this big in 60 years, so they have nothing to lose. So for them, that's what's on the line, going to a Rose Bowl. I guarantee you that they'll still go to a pretty pretty nice bowl game, but this is big because then after uh, – uh, Minnesota faces them, then they're eventually going to face Iowa. Um, and this is that part of the schedule where the Minnesota has to prove their legitimacy. Are you really ranked 13th in the nation? Are you really what your record says about you? Are your players really that good? It's it's a legitimate question we all have, and I think that is going to be something going into that game that we are all wanting to watch and figure out. I personally think Penn State's going to beat them pretty handedly. I, I want them to beat them pretty handedly for the sake of the Big Ten, um, but who knows? It's at Minnesota. Again, like I stated earlier, Penn State can prove its legitimacy by going on the road and beating a quality opponent. Because even though it is Minnesota, and you can say what you will, the committee is still going to look at them as that is still a top 25 team within your conference that you went on the road to face. And it won't be easy. Big time game against Minnesota. I know it won't be easy. If anything, Penn State, if they're going to win by double digits, they're going to pull away late. So... So there's that. Our second big-time game of the day is LSU against Alabama. This is one versus two. This is going to show a lot of things. Again, I haven't heard anything. I've heard. I've never heard anything definitive about Tua competing uh, on the next uh, on the next week. Uh, next week's game. I haven't. I've heard everything from he's he's questionable to play to he's going to play. I've heard everything from uh, this injury is the same that he sustained a season ago and that it's fine to it's up in the air, there's no timetable. I don't buy that. I will pretty much say that when it comes to Alabama and LSU, wait until kickoff and see what they say. I guarantee you it's going to be a game-time decision. I bet you if... That's the thing with Alabama is I feel like that if he can play, they want to. But at the same time, Alabama may be thinking, if we still have the potential to win this game, let's not risk it. So that is purely, if I'm a, if you're wondering about that, I would wait till kickoff. Heck, I would wait till the team walks out and the ball's about to be snapped. Because you don't even know. You don't even know with Alabama. And here's the other, LSU, this is big. They're number one. They want to prove it. They want to dif- differentiate themselves from Alabama, and the story this whole season has been their quarterback and this new-look offense. And this is the legitimate opponent that they can go up against and see if it's if it's the real deal. Can we see if Nick Saban's defense, defensive mind and that defensive staff of his can shut this down, or will it be too much for them? That's going to be the story. This is This is huge. This is big. I would argue to say that this is even bigger than um, 
than than a, a rivalry game later down the week because let's say LSU beats Alabama. Let's just say, Lord knows what that could do to Alabama. You you don't even know. Number one beats number two. You don't know how far how far Alabama falls, and you don't know what that does um, with with games going down the uh, down the stretch, including Auburn. You don't know, so it's going to be a, a big time win for LSU if they can pull it off. Again, LSU's on the road at Alabama, so if you're going to prove you're a big boy and that you deserve a seat at the table, you got to beat your rival on the road. It's one versus two. There's no backing down LSU. And then I would say the third one, and this one's pretty big, mainly for the the region, but also in implications for the Big Ten West, is 18th-ranked Iowa versus 16th-ranked Wisconsin. And this is why. Iowa is ahead of Wisconsin in the standings, and they're fighting for legitimacy, and they're just behind Minnesota. If Iowa wants to differentiate themselves, they can beat Wisconsin, and then if they go on again and can and continue to win and beat Minnesota, then they can win the West. But they have to do it with Wisconsin. On the other hand, you have Wisconsin, which has been sputtering out of control. At one point a few weeks ago, we thought this team could legitimately compete for, for a playoff spot, and obviously that has not been the case, and it's anyone's guess... Uh, I like to think of it as the baseball effect, where your your juice is being your your secret formula is being discovered. Your you know people have have enough film on the offensive line and Jonathan Taylor that they know how to counter it. How it's a simple thing. Once you shut down the running game, you make them one dimensional. I think that's the issue with Wisconsin. You know, John. Don't I don't want to take anything anything away from the running back. Jonathan Taylor's still an amazing player, but I still feel that it you know. If you can take away the run, you make Wisconsin one-dimensional. So um, I think that's going to be Iowa's game plan. But the other deal with Iowa is their secondary isn't the best in the in the country. Um, their offense has, has been struggling, to say the least. So I think this game, out of all of them, is going to be the closest. Out of, is going to be, or not the closest, but just as close. Um, I think if Iowa can shut down, I think it's going to be a real defensive battle. Iowa shutting down. Um, uh, Wisconsin's running game, and then in general, Wisconsin just holding Iowa's offense at bay. Iowa's having struggle with obviously getting the uh, offensive execution, protecting Nate Stanley, things of that nature. But it's it's just a prime time uh, slate of games, and you know you have some some you know um, other games in between those. But uh, I will say that those are the three big games next week: number five Penn State against number thirteen Minnesota. Then you have number one LSU versus number two Alabama at two thirty on CBS. Then at three, while the other one's going on, if you if you if you need a break from number one versus number two and you want to switch towards something, if there's a commercial break, you flip it on to number eighteenth ranked Iowa at number sixteenth ranked Wisconsin at three o'clock on Fox. Um, it's it's just one of those days where game after game after game, and it's exciting and fun. Um, and you don't want and you don't want it to end, but it's gonna have to. And at the end of the day, we're gonna see, you know, who's more legitimate, LSU or Alabama. Who's more legitimate, Penn State or Minnesota? And who can put themselves in a position to have further success in the season, Iowa or Wisconsin? A lot of questions are going to be answered. This is one of those those Saturdays where you where are are um you're gonna check the check the boxes. Who's gonna do it? Penn State, Minnesota. LSU, Alabama, Iowa, Wisconsin. Who knows? But it's going to be fun. It's going to be really, really exciting. 
Something else I just want to note uh, real quick, it's not a, a big-time game, but it's something to kind of keep our eyes on, is Oklahoma, as we're all aware, is not undefeated anymore. They lost. Iowa State has slowly been being coached up better and better every season. Are they going to to come after um, Jalen Hurts and that and that team? I don't think so. I think Iowa State's going to get beaten pretty badly. But all that being said is we don't know. I mean, like I stated earlier, we all thought Wisconsin was going to uh, compete for a playoff uh, berth, and obviously that's out the window. So we don't know. We really don't. Um, it's just kind of a fun game that I want to throw out there. In the Big 12, they don't play any defense. So by all means, Iowa, if they get in a shootout, Iowa State, that's the best cause for them because I don't think their defense can stop Oklahoma, but I know that it's just the nature of the Big 12. And we obviously learned last uh, on their last game that Oklahoma has no defense. So... Just throwing facts out there. I do uh, also want to say one thing, um, and this is kind of just a personal preference thing. I, I have a feeling a lot of people are thinking this, but no one wants to say it. Um, ESPN uh, was praising uh, one of Clemson's players, I think it was ETN, for a statistic they, uh, against uh, like uh, the team they faced last um, this past Saturday. I want to remind you that the team that they faced was uh, Wofford and um, Wofford, I should say, however you pronounce it, and they practically played paid that team to play them. So all due respect to Clemson, all due respect to their athletes and ETN and everything, I just want to say it irks me when they praise um, legitimate players against illegitimate um, uh, um, challenges. Understanding that the the I don't even know if it was Etienne, but it was one of their players, and they said it on the air on this amazing statistic, and it didn't impress me because you're going up against a program that they paid to come down and play. That game was a joke. It it didn't matter at all. We all knew that the they were gonna win. So what is the point of praising somebody for doing what they were expected to do? I just don't get the the logic behind that. I really don't. I don't mean to end this podcast on a negative note. I just want to point out the facts that at times you got to look at, okay, I did something great, but was it more than what I was expected, or did I do exactly what I was expected? And in the case of Clemson against Walford, they did exactly what they were expected to do, yet for some reason they were praised. Even though they were expected to win by 45, it they still got praise for, for breaking. I mean, it just, I don't get it. If someone can explain it to me, that would be awesome. By no means am I saying that the players aren't talented. I'm just saying that you look at the talent uh, difference between the two programs, and you're like, well, at the very least, that's what I expect. If it did anything less, I'd be disappointed. I'm not, I'm, I wasn't, it's not that I wasn't, you know, I just kind of, it's what you expect. I wasn't blown away. I, he did what I expected. So, I don't know. Anyway, folks, uh, I want to thank you all for listening. Saturdays on the States. Hit me up on Twitter at APParker01. Again, next week's games. And I'm going to run them down for you again so you tune in. If you forget, I'm saying them now. Number 5, Penn State, is on the road at number 13th ranked Minnesota, 11 a.m. on ABC. Both teams are undefeated. Then, to follow that, 2.30, you have number one LSU at number two Alabama on CBS. And then during a commercial break, halftime of that game, you can 
you can look at number 18th ranked Iowa on the road at number 16th ranked Wisconsin at 3 o'clock. It's a rivalry game. It's a lot on the line for both teams, especially in the Big Ten in that region. By no means is it is it as sexy as those uh, first two games, but it's a fun game, and it has a lot riding on it. Definitely not as much as the other two, by no means, but it's fun. That's the great thing about this sport. It's so fun. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. One last time, hit me up uh, on Twitter at APParker01. And everybody, let's have a great week.